Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. the Cavs of Podcast. I'm here with Chris Francis. My name is Nate Smith, and we're talking a little Cavs playoff basketball. And Chris, I just got one thing to say to you. Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing's going to be all right now. So yeah, I'm just channeling a little uh, Hannah Waddingham here, who was on the Latest episode of Ted Lasso singing that song after uh, after our uh, oh, what's the name of the stupid uh, soccer team in there? Well, anyway, they got beat and they were singing that song at the stadium. And that's kind of the the song the episode ends on. And you got the feeling that everything's going to be all right. And, and I'm here to tell you, everything's going to be all right, Chris. <laughs> so with that <laughs> mantra, keeping it positive. How do the Cavs win the next game? Uh, game five I, in Cleveland. Well, I mean, they need to find some offense. That's the story of the series, right? Like yep. the story of the series is that the offense has been complete garbage. The defense has definitely been good enough to win because the Knicks are not burning up the nets. But it's clear that there's no rebounding happening and there's no shot making happening. Yeah. So, I mean, they just need to make shots. You know, yeah. if we want to boil it down to one thing, they just need to find offense. Um, and, uh, you know, I wrote, uh, I wrote, I think, a preview live thread or whatever before. You know, um, it basically comes down to, to me, it comes down to Karis LeVert, Chetty Osman, Danny Green, Sam Merrill, perhaps making open three point shots. You know I, I I'll pay you twenty bucks if Sam Merrill sees Oh, he's the never coming in. But I'm just saying he's the only other guy he's the only other guy we can say, you know, is built for making open jump shot three pointers. So that's yeah. why I'm including him. Um Fair. you know, because we're we're not calling we're not calling Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okoro or Ricky Rubio knockdown three-point shooters. So not this year, at least <laughs> not this series. Although not this series, yeah, you know that speaks so little of uh, what I would like to see. I I don't think the rotations have been very consistent. Um, I wanted to see kind of longer stretches of run for Ricky Rubio, especially in the two New York games. I didn't think he played poorly at all. Uh, never really got the chance to get in a rhythm. Um, and I think he would have helped them. Uh, that that was a bit of a problem. 
the other uh, thing that the Cavs need to run an offense. They need to, you know, go out there, run some sets, set screens for guys. Um, they need to. I would, I would disagree with you right off the bat. I mean, I would disagree that Ricky Rubio needs to be on the court. Uh, he could park his ass on the bench. The guy who needs to play is Danny Green. I totally disagree. Danny Green, let me let me drop some knowledge on you. There's the Danny Green, Karis Levert, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, and Nevin Mobley lineup is a plus forty five in this series with a hundred thirty six point four offensive rating. In how many minutes? Six. In six precious minutes, we've gotten completely okay. So uh, on plus fire four, offense without plus it getting any rating. Yes. Plus no, no. Okay. Plus plus yeah. Plus forty five net rating. Okay. So uh, with a one thirty six point four offensive rating, the Danny Green, Karis Levert, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Darius Garland lineup is a plus eighty five net rating. With a hundred seventy-five offensive rating. What was that lineup again? Danny, it's just substitute Evan Mobley for uh, Jared Allen. Or I mean, I'm sorry, Ev, Ev, yeah, okay. Evan Mobley for Jared Allen at the center okay. spot. Same who, lineup. Who's playing the four there? It's Green. Okay. It's small ball with Green. Danny Green. They they they're able to manufacture offense, and the defense is able to survive in those lineups. And for whatever the reason. Uh, Danny Green was parked on the bench for, uh, I think, the vast majority of Game 4, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have yeah. the box score up. Well, but, I, th- I think Danny Green was slow recovering to a shooter in Game 3, and that was about the last we saw of him. And I think that points to one of the problems is, like, even the vets – if you're not part of that core rotation, you make one mistake and you're out and out of the rotation, then it really feels like there's not a plan. They're just kind of grasping at straws. And if something doesn't work in five minutes, it's that we're go- they're going away from it. And I think that's a little bit of the problem. Uh, the other issue is I said this last game the Cavs got to trust their teammates. Um, Donovan Mitchell was probably his worst game in a Cavs uniform in game four. Uh, He was abysmal. Uh, And a lot of that came because he was forcing shots and not, and the whole team was, but Mitchell, especially not just making the easy pass. Um, The Cavs have to trust their teammates and they have to play lineups that the team trusts uh, and stop forcing the pass. Um, and I think that's a big issue. Um, the other big issue is, like we said, the Cavs got a rebound. Um, I know you hate this idea, but I would not be opposed to some Rolo minutes against Mitchell Robinson. Um, I also think anytime the Cavs uh, or the Knicks are in the bonus, and Mitchell Robinson is on the floor, you automatically play hack a Mitch. Like, you foul him off the floor. Unless he just goes crazy at the free throw line, the guy's a sub-50% free throw shooter. Just completely take him out of the game. Just intentionally foul every play while he's on the floor until they take him out. Uh, if the Cavs are in, if the Knicks are in the bonus. I think that is, 
The other great thing about that is if he's on the free throw line, he's much less likely to get an offensive rebound when he's on the floor and he misses a free throw. What do yeah, you think of that strategy? I mean, that's the only way I'd buy Rolo being on the floor is to use his six fouls in that, <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. But I mean, Ro- I mean, Rolo would be a desperation panic move. Let's be honest. But uh, well, in the but, context, yeah. in the context of your strategy, it's definitely a, you know, it's definitely worth a shot, especially in yeah. in those scenarios where if they're already in the bonus, Mitchell's on the floor. You Just know, take him right out of the game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or at least shake his confidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, try to rattle him. So. Well, and and muck up. New York's offense, you know, well, don't, it don't let him, it doesn't need mucking up. It's already, it's already bad. I mean, well, I'm just they're saying like they're like a one Oh five offensive rating this series. So well, is that, is that pace adjusted? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's based on, it's based on the same number from the, I mean, it's five points better per a hundred than what the Cavs were doing. Who was the number, number one rated offense to begin with. So, you, Okay. You mean number zero rated? <laughs> number sixteen rated? Now, uh, yeah, yeah, well, okay. no, well, no, no. What I mean is, I was talking about their regular season defensive rating uh, being, I think it was around one hundred nine. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the the defense is not the problem. I mean, the, it's completely squarely an offense that features Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland should not be worse than the Brooklyn Nets offense without Kyrie and KD. That's just an embarrassment, and it's an indictment against JB's coaching because now there's a pattern growing, a, compa- a pattern continuing. Okay, Chris, you You can't go down the rabbit hole in the first segment. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to tell the truth, though. I mean, there's a, pattern of, there's a pattern of coaching with JB that he doesn't know how to coach offense. No, I... You know? I I get that. I'm just saying, how does he coach offensive series? I, I think we can have all the piling on as we go on in the podcast. But we, well, we, I, I like. I mean, yeah. the simple fix is play play shooters. <laughs> yeah. Play some shooters. Yeah. Play Danny Green. You know, like that's play what Danny you brought, Green. That's yeah. what you brought him here for. Yeah. So, you know, let's use them. Play a five out offense, or yeah, at I, least a four out offense. You know that I actually thought about that idea. What if you ran out? I mean, like it, it's probably a little crazy, but he did. Uh, he did feature a um, Dean Wade at the five offense against the Charlotte Hornets. That was effective at the end of the season. Granted, it was against the Charlotte Hornets and he was just, you know, experimenting clearly and had the luxury of experimenting against a bad team. But that's a way to try and run off the bigs because that's the thing about the Knicks is that they're able to play big because we play big. Right. And so they're playing big with Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, as a sub, as the, as the sub for, uh, uh, Mitch Rob. And then they're able to play big at the four with, uh, Randall until he gets run off the court for Obi Toppin. So, um, because I mean, shout out to Evan Mobley. You know, look at his defense against Julius Randle. He's completely taken him out. He, t- he completely took him out of Game Four. So. Oh, I'm I'm with you. The problem is that the like you said, the offense is is the issue. Um, but I also think 
you know, the Cavs have got to set screens for each other, run actual sets. Um, and if they're not going to do that, then they do have to run four out. Um, I, I don't think you can play Okoro and I'm just kind of baffled why when they do play Okoro, he literally, they just sit him in the corner and don't do anything else. Like they've been running the same offense for three years with him. Like, are you going to do something differently? I would much rather see a Coro as if you're going to play him at the four as the screener in the pick and roll. Um, Cause then he's not, then if you've got, you know, Levert and Shetty in the corners or, you know, whomever in the corners, you at least have, they at least have to honor that. Nobody's honoring uh, Okoro when he's in the corner and it's basically, especially when he's on the strong side, it's just killing him because teams are just pinching from that corner every yeah. single play. Yeah, no, they're not guarding. They're not guarding a Coro period. So no, unless exactly. he's involved, unless he's on the ball or involved in a screen action, they're not going to guard him. No, and why would you? Yeah, exactly. You know, and the actually, and what's funny, you actually just inspired the other, the opposite idea of going small is what if they win super big? Well, and that's the other, yeah. And I think let's talk about that a bit more when we come back. Sure. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Chris Francis. We're talking game five. Uh, you had mentioned going big. How would the Cavs do that, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's basically at the two, three, four spot, uh, trying to go bigger on the wings with um, either Danny. I mean, basically, it's you'd have to either use Danny Green or Dean Wade in this equation, but going Karis Levert to uh, Chetty three, Dean Wade four, you know, or some variation of that. I mean, you could, uh, you know, what you had the idea off, off, uh, off the mic or whatever, or off air. Um, about a possible, what if you did Karis, Chetty, you know, Karis, Chetty, Green, uh, Wade, you know, that or, takes Or off. Ricky. Yeah, or, you know, I would, no. I would for, no, if you're running a big lineup, you're playing defense, Ricky Rubio's been no, very good on okay, defense. Okay, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, if you wanted to try and buy, uh, like, I'd see that as a lineup you do for three minutes to buy time. To buy time and kind of see how the Knicks respond to it. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I buy that and just go, just lean into getting bigger at every spot and see how it goes. But I mean, again, it requires, it requires JB to play Dean Wade, who he's not gone back to since the bad game one. And it requires uh, Danny Green, possibly, who he's not gone back to since the. You know, he gave, I just checked, he gave him four minutes in game four, which is ridiculous. I don't know what he saw that that changed his mind, but it shouldn't have been anything. So, uh, you know. It, he, w- he was lurching from decision to decision, and yeah, it, he, it was yeah, it's really very frustrating. Yeah, yeah yes. no, exactly. So, um, he's not inspiring confidence among the troops yet. So, yeah. but I mean, now they're back at home. You know, I feel like the pressure should be off. Like, 
I think, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you know, I said Cavs in seven to begin with, with this series. Um, and that was completely based on the fact of, you know, I think people have underestimated and continue to underestimate this Knicks team. This Knicks team is good. Like, no, they're yeah, not. They, yeah, they are. Oh, <laughs> no, they, yeah, they, they can't are. score any better than the Cavs can. Yeah, but I mean, they've transformed their defense because of the, t- you know, it's been a Tibbs masterclass. So I don't, I don't think it's a Tibbs masterclass at all. I think it's bad Cavs, bad Cavs offense. No, uh, I would, yeah, I mean, it's bad Cavs offense, but I think the Knicks are good. You know, I, I would totally disagree. They, had, you know, they were a three, you know, over a three net rate, you know, plus three net rating on the year with a top five offense. So. And and they're do and they're the formula is carrying over. They they weren't a great shooting team. They won't be a great shooting team. They're an ISO heavy team. But what were they able to do? They're able to crash the boards, you know, and hustle. And that's exactly what they're doing to the Cavs. And I would say they've gotten better at it. Like I would say the best, you know, uh, the best Knicks game was Game Four out of the three or out of the four. You know, is that they're getting better. They're, 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 it, it appears they're trending in the right direction across this series. I, I can't argue with you um, other than to say I think the Cavs have gotten worse, not the Knicks have gotten better. Although um, I will say the Knicks offense picked up in the second half, but the Cavs were just completely demoralized and it was kind of the snowball effect uh, in game three. Um, I'm sorry, game four. It, I'm trying to think of other wrinkles the Cavs could and should add. Um, but I, I think so much of it is not about the X's and O's. So much of it is just the Cavs are in their own head. You know, they, they lose confidence when the ball doesn't go in. Uh, Donovan Mitchell clearly having some trust issues with his teammates just was a chuck and fool last game. Um, I'm going to bring up that box score uh, and maybe we'll get into the last game a little bit, but um, he just, and I was actually talking to my old boss today. Well, not my old boss. He's my, my current boss till the end of the week, but (laughs) he's a big jazz fan. He's like, welcome to Donovan Mitchell playoff basketball he starts to panic he gets tunnel vision he doesn't trust his teammates and he just starts throwing up everything that he can throw up and i i think we're we definitely saw that last game and i almost think that the Cavs need to think about staggering him and garland a little more but i want your take on that from a two-man lineup standpoint how have Garland and Mitchell been on the floor together versus apart? That's a good question. That will take some hot Googling action. What I can <laughs> say is the most used lineup with Karras at the three is a plus 10 on the, on the, on the series. Okay. And so that's to- total, not, uh, is that total or is that uh pace? That's per hundred. Okay. Plus 10 per hundred. Okay. Which is so they, they still good. Them. Yeah, they're, they're elite. They're fine. Uh, it's just that they can't play that lineup, but, you know, apparently 12 minutes a game or something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as Garland and Mitchell are concerned, we got... 
So they are, um, they are most successful together. Uh huh. 126 minutes. They're a, a zero essentially. A net rating of point zero three. Uh, separately, they're minus fifteen and minus eighteen apart. So the offense is absolutely collapsing unless they're both on the floor. Interesting. I think a lot of that has to do with the substitutions rather than the personnel. But, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Isaac Okoro. But that's really, and I actually think the other issue is Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley have not played well, especially Jared Allen. Jared Allen's been kind of a disaster from an energy standpoint. Um, but he also played 40 minutes last game. He's, he's JB's security blanket, but he's not doing enough. You know, it's, it's a really frustrating. He's been totally useless. Let's see. <laughs> minus, <laughs> minus 40 on the series. That's, that's pretty, is that again, rating or total? Yes. Minus, minus 40 net rating, 130 defensive rating with Jared Allen on the floor. Yeah, that's, that's abysmal. Like what, what is happening? I don't see him going after blocks. He, he's got to stop picking up stupid fouls early. Um, he is, well, you know, what's funny is my friend who's a, a casual fan and mm-hmm. not, not a guy who watches the Cavs a lot. Okay. Um, he made the observation, which I found was very interesting is that he felt that Jared Allen doesn't try or put any effort into the game unless he's getting the ball on offense. Well, I can definitely see that. I mean, he literally, how, how do you play last game and pick up one foul? Like I get, he picked up a foul early, but he didn't, he, he had one foul. Like he's not, um, trying on offense or defense, it feels like if you if you only have one foul, you're not playing well. And yeah. in 40 minutes, like yeah. you're not expending enough effort. Um, yeah, it's, he's been a disaster. And you know, I go back and who would you rather have, Jared Allen or Isaiah Hartenstein? Oh, I'm not going to get into that discussion. <laughs> you know, if we're having that discussion, who would you rather have, Laurie Markkinen or Jared Allen? <laughs> I mean, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know? that that feels like <laughs> high, that's a hindsight is 2020 move, but it's not a I mean, it wasn't a 20. It's not a hindsight is 2020 thing if we're saying it at the time. Well, it was because I, no, I'm going to I'm going to bring it up because there were idiots out there killing me. <laughs> For my opinion about that matter, saying you were wrong about Jared Allen, you were wrong about Jared Allen, and what I say about Jared Allen. I said he was a nice rotation piece that's a nice backup in the playoffs. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I think one of the issues with Jared Allen, and I think it's with the Cavs in general, like you look at a lot of these other teams, they, they the Cavs seem to lose weight over the course of the season their guys get skinnier, they get more beat up. The Cavs feel lighter in the playoffs than any other team. And I don't understand it. You know, it feels like it's been a training staff issue for the last three years. Why? How old is Jared Allen now? 24? 
25. 25. Like, he should – he's not spending enough time in the weight room. It, I mean, he just – he's not big enough. He's He's not strong enough as a player, and that's problematic. Like, how is that guy not put more weight on um, and put more strength on himself? Like, he just feels like he's gotten weaker and weaker. And I, I think Jared Allen probably there's some motivation. Sure buy in today. I mean, like he's a skinny guy. Well, I, I mean, he, he's going to be limited. Like if you were expecting him to be like 250, 270. Yeah, I but think, I think that was a I think that was an unrealistic expectation for him. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I also think he has motivation issues. Clearly, we're seeing so far. So I hope that he can figure it out. I, I think the other issue is that the vibes are way off. The vibes suck right now. And part of that issue is I don't think there is a lot of faith in the team and the coaching staff. Um, that that That's another issue. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't know about – to me, you know, if we're isolating it to this season, you know – where it all went off the rails, you know, especially in this series, when we're talking about what's the problem, it's defensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. We were a top five rebounding team, defensive rebounding team with Kevin Love on the team. And we went to the worst rebounding team, defensive rebounding team in the NBA without Kevin Love. Yeah, wow. Channeling your even, inner screaming A. Smith there. So exactly. I mean, there's that's the story that's playing out right now is that we'd we'd be fine if we had Kevin Love to bang bodies for 15 minutes a game. Well, and there's one thing Kevin Love's really, really good at, and he was better than any other Cavalier at. And that's boxing out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, he was a he was a rebound. He has always been somehow a rebounding genius Uh, i agree with you um and miami is reaping the rewards right now like they got a legit 20 minutes per game rotation player and they're up 3-1 on milwaukee yeah so well and and you see what his value is on with miami what what he's doing with miami is He's playing the five a lot, actually. Right. The last game he played five a lot, um, and he was able to basically he he they asked him to sacrifice his body against Brook Lopez. Yeah. Essentially, is just you know bang on him for twenty minutes, give it your all, and then we can get back in Bam out of bio, or well, we can go small, or and also you're pulling Brook Lopez out of the paint yeah. with your ability to shoot. Absolutely. Like yeah. how valuable would that be on Mitchell Robinson right now? And, and Isaiah Hartenstein, like, and also do you think a guy like Kevin Love would be able to draw fouls on one of the most <laughs> foul prone players in the NBA, Isaiah Hartenstein? Uh, that pump banana in the tailpipe, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that, that, so, that was definitely problem that that was the vibe killer i mean that was you know that that to me was the vibe killer of this season is jb unwilling to go back to a veteran who has won a championship for this team yeah so yeah and for a guy who's literally never done anything uh was at least what they said dean wade 
Yeah, two and, guys. I would I would I would and, throw Lamar Stevens in that. Yeah, and then you know I I still contend that Danny Green coming off the street and getting minutes when Kevin Love's getting a DNP was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh, absolutely. No, hundred percent. No, absolutely. Like and, that, that was obvious. Yeah, totally obvious. And. Yeah, and I wanted this to not devolve before the half hour into bash on JV, <laughs> but, but we it's did. already done. Well, that. I mean, we're, th- yeah. we're down three one. What do you? I mean, like, what can you know? Hey, I mean, I agree well, with you hundred percent. We're still in this because our defense is fine. Well, ultimately. and That's the Cavs can play so much better on offense than they have played. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's just going to require it's going to require JB to fight against his urge to play non-shooting role players. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest, like this has been the biggest fraud regular season ever possibly (laughs) because I mean, you're seeing what these teams are doing in the playoffs compared to what they were in the regular season, you know, teams like the Lakers that are up three, one on the Grizzlies. Um, You saw how much load management, the heat, the Suns and the uh, Clippers, you know, it's very much. How about the Hawks? How about them Hawks tonight? Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) What a, what a dumb game. Both, both teams just trading stupid plays at the end of that game. Um, right, that's what the playoffs are about. Who makes the fewer, who makes the fewest right. mistakes? Yeah, and and to me that the problem with the Cavs is that they didn't understand the difference, and they did not understand that they how much bum slaying they were doing. Like they were totally overestimating how they were doing with the amount of non quality wins they had in the second half of the season. Uh, I, I firmly believe that like they beat a lot of nobodies in the NBA and a lot of teams resting guys and having guys hurt. So, and I, I don't know, I guess when we get back, I want to talk about like what you would tell the team in, um, in the locker room. If, uh, if you were the coach, <laughs> And um, and we'll come back and we'll do right that and do that. So, Chris, uh, do you, are you feeling like this is cathartic? This podcast, or are we just piling <laughs> on? Is it? Are we are we falling yeah. down the spiral? Or no, no, no. Actually, you know, it, it might be more fragile for you because I, I know that you, I know that, I know that you have that pessimistic impulse, but. I also know that you love going against the grain. <laughs> so that's what I'm holding on my faith to is like, I know that Nate, when the darkest hour comes, which we are at right now, <laughs> Nate's going to switch it up and say, you know what? Well, we're getting this. Captain no, I, I'm, I'm, I've already called that. Um, you know, I would, the one thing I don't want it to do is go six. <laughs> <laughs> the Cavs are going to lose this series. I want them to lose it in five or seven. Uh, if they are going to lose, I don't want JB to get another win. <laughs> like, I I know that's kind of crappy, but no, like no, even I mean, even Chris Fedor was like, well, no, that's... getting on him for playing Garland on 
No, the veneer Brunson. is off. That's, you know, take heart in the fact that the veneer is off J.B. Bickerstaff right now. I mean, yeah. just talking with non-Cavs fans and it's hearing about non-Cavs fans watching the Cavs, uh, they're like, what the hell is J.B. Bickerstaff doing? That's, yeah. you know, that's pretty much a universal complaint about, well, basically it's that the Cavs were frauds and J.B. Bickerstaff's a fraud. So, you know. <laughs> We're hearing, like, we're hearing, we're hearing all the slander right now as Cavs fans. We're, we're, we've got to stick together because they're coming after us you know, <laughs> high, high and hard, you know, with all the slander. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole thing is that, you know, you know, there, there was a Knicks fan I talked to in one of my chats and he's like, you know, how, the Knicks weren't going to lose to a team playing Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert, and Chetty Osmond. <laughs> at the same time? Yeah, or at <laughs> any time. Or at any time. Yeah. Well, so, I think I think uh, Levert's been fine. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's the irony. He's yeah. been probably the most solid relative to expectations Yeah. out, out of anybody on the Cavs right now. Yeah, well, and I, I would say the other thing is his, like – the Fedora article said, like, why did they take him off Brunson? I mean, that was just asinine. <laughs> you know, yeah. why are you putting him in the starting lineup if you're not going to play him on Brunson? Yeah, like, who he's locked down the whole series. Well, and then, you know, their whole strategy of um, putting uh, Garland on him and then shading the bigs towards him doesn't matter if you're just going to you know, ISO Garland at the top of the key and make a 20 footer every time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You brought up a point before about trusting teammates. And one thing that I think that the team has not done enough and it's already too late, but I don't know. And so I don't know if it would make a difference in this series, but it was certainly something that should have been gone to more is to see more point Karis over the season. Trust Karis because Karis Levert has been the only guy that I've seen to my eye that can consistently get into the paint against these Knicks. He's the guy that can actually break his man down off the dribble consistently and force some help to collapse on him. Now, does he make the greatest decisions once he's in the paint? Not really, but well, I would argue that he doesn't get enough opportunities to get into rhythm. I, I think the bigger issue there is I think he is much better playing for the pass um, than he is for the shot. And I think the Knicks know that. Know that. Yes, yeah. that's true. And that's, um, that's, I would agree. But he has. But to the other him. issue is yeah. you've got guys in the corners that aren't shooters. So why would Karis pass to them? You know, <laughs> uh, and and he's chicken, the, yeah, chicken or the egg. <laughs> you know, he's made his share of mistakes. Like, like he picked uh, a Coro in the corner instead of Chetty at the wing last game, and I'm like, no, you can't do that. You can't. Okoro is your shooter of last resort. <laughs> you know, uh, it, but you can't think like that if you want to trust your teammates. You've got to well, take who's the open guy. You know, but they like, were both the open. Is my point. Yeah, sure. I'm yeah. just saying, like you, you take yeah. the you, you don't risk the turnover by making the more difficult yeah. pass. Or so. the other issue is when guys turn down the wing shot to throw it to Okoro in the corner, 
that's the one that really drives me nuts. Like when Lavert and Shetty turned down that open wing three pointer to to pitch it to a Coro in the corner, I just I'm like, no, please stop. <laughs> you know, right? No, I, I, you know, and that goes, you know, and part of that is not just trust issues. I think it's just you know we got a young team that, yeah. that has to learn how to play under pressure. And, yeah. That's just kind of sucks that we have to endure this because this is what good teams endure in their quest for a championship is they get their heart broken in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and part of, so from an offensive standpoint, I have not seen a lot of sets. I've been particularly baffled as to why they have not been putting, um, Mitchell Robinson in the pick and roll. And is it because they've just, the Knicks have been mainly playing matchup zone? Well, no, I think it, what it was, was that in what was hinted to that, but in press conferences and so forth is the cats have been highly successful attacking Jalen Brunson. Well, that's and true. They've been, they've been, you know, and they've been spamming that guard, guard, pick and roll and creating really good offense from it. The problem is, is that, uh, the problem is that the Cavs aren't always disciplined enough mm-hmm. to attack it. And also, um, I mean, l- let's just face it. It doesn't, the, the Knicks are collapsing five guard. They're, they're collapsing oh, that's five also defenders. True. Yeah. They're, they're just sending everybody to the paint and saying, we don't. Yeah. Care. Well, Make and then, through. and then when a, uh, when a big's out there, they just trap it. Um, yep. and force the big to be a short roll guy. And Allen's been fairly terrible at it. Um, Mobley has Mobley's problem is he doesn't trust his mid ranger enough to just throw that up there. He's going into Mitchell Robinson every time and then getting yep. stuffed. Like, well, yep. Well, you, if you saw the game, one, there was a Knicks fan that did a game one tape breakdown. The problem with Mobley's he's not making good decisions in the short roll either because right. he's choosing between taking a shot over Mitch Rob or he the only guy that's open for him is a Coro. Right, exactly. By design. Yeah. So, so yeah. We, we, which of those two bad you know, it should be it should be Mobley taking the shot, which he has, but he's been not that successful because he's shooting over size. So. Right. Well, and yeah, and also he's bringing it too far in. Like he should be. Yeah, he should pulling take it up at the yeah. at the elbow. Yeah, but he doesn't no, trust his jumper enough. Yep. And until he beats them, they're going to keep, like you said, spamming that. Yep, they're going to keep on bringing that help defender. And yep. I mean, that's the story of this whole thing. Is yeah, basically, like I said, it's just come down to can Chetty. Karis or Danny Green get hot from yeah. three. Well, and let's talk about another place where having Kevin Love would be so valuable um, when you're putting him in the pick and roll or the pick and pop. He can make that elbow jumper. He can make that pick and pop three-point uh, shot. And also he's going to make the right decision in the short roll. And it, it was just... And even if he's not making it, he takes the sh- he takes the correct shot in rhythm of the offense. Right, exactly. So exactly. guys know to guys can tell where the, the rebounds are going to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's just that having that veteran savvy is sorely missed. And honestly, I would say that one of the one of the guys who's 
been most affected by Kevin Love's absence, I'd say, is Ricky Rubio. Oh, for sure, because nobody else can seem to run a pick and roll, and they don't literally have a guy on the team right now that even runs pick and pop unless you're running that small, small. And the other problem is the Cavs don't swing the ball fast enough when they run that small, small. You're totally right. Yep. In fact, I went back and looked at the assist ratio, which is a pretty good indicator of ball movement, in my opinion, because it, it's based on it's based on your assist rate versus usage. And the the Cavs are at um, the Cavs are at sixteen point nine in the playoffs. Oof. They were at they were at eighteen point six in the regular season, which is almost top ten. So their ball movement, uh, it, like 16.8 would be, uh, over the course of the regular season, that would be tied somewhere between the Detroit Pistons and New York Knicks for worst yeah. and Houston Rockets. So we're, we're seeing very poor ball movement on offense, the, probably the worst possible ball, ball movement on offense in the in the playoffs right now. Yeah, and I... I... Part of my issue is I think the vibes are all wrong. Um, the coaching staff has not prepared these guys for playoff basketball, and they're feeling the pressure, and they've done nothing to take the pressure off. Um, and I, I think that's real problematic. Like, you need guys in a locker room that are going to lighten it up, that are, when you're in New York, like, you know, just – make it fun. Like they're just not having any fun out there. And I think that's a big issue. And I think a lot of that comes down to the coaching staff. I think a lot of that comes down to the way they approach the regular season. You know, somebody on the live thread said today, um, you know, they should throw the junkyard jog in the trash. And and I said that at the time, like, yeah, you got to find ways to keep the regular season fun and engaging, but I don't like rewarding you know, what should be the expectation every game, you know, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be something special to play with passion. It should be what you're expecting all the time. And what is fun is how you interact with each other when you're not on the court and when you're on the court, but play with fun, play with passion, keep it entertaining and don't put too much pressure on yourself, but also don't hand out meaningless awards. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then when you don't get one for a while, you pout like Jared Allen's pouting right now. Yeah. I, you were like, they need to keep it light, keep it fun, but I'm going to throw their fun in the trash. Well, <laughs> I'm saying they never should have started it to begin with. Like, make the fun something dumb. Um, like Lil Kev, something like that. I don't know. I don't get these damn Zoomers. You know, I... <laughs> I mentioned that in the last, like, I don't know how to motivate them. And I think, I think that's the other issue is I, JB and this coaching staff is having a hard time reaching these guys. And it doesn't feel like there's a lot of vets on the Cavs that can bridge the gap. And last game. I I, I totally, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think he's totally, that's what he excels at. What he is deficient at is the strategy part of the basketball like and the tactics okay. yes that's what's the struggle like we're, we're just not doing the right actual things on the basketball court like you you just identified ball movement as one you know that 
And by the way, what's interesting, I'm looking at the stats here. Uh, you, according to the stats, um, the guys who would be most um, uh, most responsible for the lack of ball movement, interestingly, would be Garland and Lavert. Their numbers have collapsed in the playoffs in terms of their assist ratio. They wow. were consistently two of the best ball movers and passers on this Cav team, and Karras and Garland's numbers have completely collapsed in the playoffs. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way the Knicks are playing the pick and roll. Yep. Um, It also has to do with the fact that, you know, they've really been running Garland at the two guard at least the last three games. That's true. And and letting, uh, you know, Mitchell initiate the offense. I think they are going to have to switch that back. Although you did see that more last game with Garland had 23 and 10. Um, right, right. So yeah, that was the glimpse that we needed to see. That was that was probably the probably the best thing that came out of Game Four is that Mobley and Garland are yeah. now they're they're improving. They yeah. are actually making improvements over the course of this uh, uh, of this series. It's just will they run out of time? You know, yeah. before before it ends. One argument here here's your Ricky Rubio argument is. Do you insert him for more ball movement? Oh, I think Ricky Rubio has not been a problem the last few games from a ball movement standpoint. And he hasn't even shot very much and his defense has been good. Like he's been both games in New York. He was either even or positive, you know, and I don't I felt like he should have played 12 minutes, not six. Uh I, I thought that was a miss, and I th- I especially because he's had a lot of success in the garden uh, over the, the course is, of his career. Play him. The thing is with R- Rubio is you cannot play him with uh, Karras, really, and you cannot play him with Okoro, really. Well, um, you you've got to be able to put him out there with Chetty, with Donovan, with. I don't think that's as true as of Karras as it used to be, but okay. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would, that's, you know, that's fair. I would, because Karras has been a much better catch and shoot. Yeah. No. Well, especially as a catch and shoot guy over the second. No, that's, that's fair. And they did improve as the season went along. uh, Yeah. Late late in the season. So that's fair. But, but you got to surround, like, Ricky and Okoro is completely unintentional. And, and really, honestly, like, it's already kind of going to be difficult unless it's, I would say, Mobley at the five. Yeah, well, you, yeah. I'd, well, so here's the other thing I want to see the Cavs do. And you saw it with the way they played their defense in game three, I think, two or three. They picked, I think it was game two, they picked up half court, um, which let them, you know, see the screens coming sooner and hedge around them. I think the Cavs need to be setting their screens a lot higher. Um, and and set those some of those screens where guys can get a running start at them, um, and then you know then they've got momentum towards the basket. I think they are not turning the corner quick enough on a lot of these screens. Uh, they are waiting for the trap to come, waiting for the double team, waiting to read and react. I think they need to set those screens a little higher and come around the corner on those screens harder, um, and put pressure. Like, I think they're giving the defense too much time to react. Uh, so I would like to see Garland and Mitchell 
uh, both do that. And I think it will help the pick and roll game a lot and setting them up a little higher helps with that. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs> Is there any yeah. kind of non pick and roll stuff you want to, I almost think the Cavs haven't been playing enough pick and roll, which is weird because they've been running a lot of pin downs for guys and the Knicks are just switching everything. And it feels like a lot of silly action. Well, the, the last game we did not take nearly enough threes. Well, I do recall that. Yeah. I think guys I, were turning down open threes, which drives me up the wall. So I was going to look and see. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the thing is that Garland is taking six threes a game and making 44% of them. Yeah. That's not enough. He's got yeah. to shoot 10. He's got to become Steph Curry, basically. Yeah. He's got, he's got to find it within himself to realize I'm that guy who can take 10, 15 threes a game because I'm that good of a shooter. Well, especially when he's open. But the other thing is Steph Curry can do that because Golden State's screen game is amazing. The Cavs don't set off-ball screens well to free up shooters. Um you know, you saw that play with Hartenstein where he's at the baseline setting that um, screen so the guy can't get back out to the corner. The Cavs, I think I, I've I would, seen it. I would say it. it's less about it's less about screening and more about ball movement. You know, it's, well they go hand in hand. You yeah. can't move the ball if a guy's not open coming off the screen. Yeah, I'm just saying, like a lot of a lot of Steph, uh, a lot of Steph creates a lot of his own open shots just by giving the ball up to get it back. Well, and absolutely, and part of that is because his two man game with uh, Draymond Green is amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. and I hate Dray. I I'm not a big fan of either player, but they're amazing at that. Like they they're probably one of the best two man games for playing for a three-point shot that I've ever seen. Yep. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's in a guy like Mobley, you should be able to kind of create those kinds of looks. Yeah. Because Mobley's smart enough to make those passes, and Garland yeah. is Garland's smart enough and good enough of a shooter to, to execute those kind of plays. Yeah, the problem is I'm not sure he's wide enough to make those screens. Um, and and that. That's actually, I'd like to see, I actually think Okoro is a pretty good screener. They just don't ask him to do it enough. But Yeah, well, you know what? And he's probably the only other guy that you'd trust to kind of make those kind of passes. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and just the, the role they carve out for him is sometimes extremely limiting. Um, and oh, I think yeah, it, yeah. he's very easy to defend. They've made him very easy to defend. Exactly. No, exactly. He's yeah. been kind of hamstrung by the focus to develop Garland and honestly, uh, um, Mobley Sexton. Yeah. Well, I know I was going to say and Sexton. Sexton. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's been at the sacrifice of Okoro for sure. Yeah. I, I think yeah. there's probably no player on the team that would benefit from a new coach more than Okoro. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that a, Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I feel bad for Coral because I feel like he's a good attitude guy. He's a card working guy, but you know, on the flip side, I mean, he's gotten a he's gotten a shit ton of minutes. Well, that's true. That, so that's true. Some of it's on him to you know play better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and, and why is he himself. such an abysmal rebounder? That's oh my what. God. It is. 
Oh my God. That, that drives me up a wall. Well, and the Cavs, like you said, literally one of the worst rebounding teams, literally the worst defensive rebounding team. And since they lost love who yep. just, I don't think the Cavs realized how much he meant to their team rebounding. Clearly yeah. they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, the, the people, I even showed, I even wrote about the stat, the defensive rating of the Cavs got worse without love. Than Which with, is kind of amazing. That's insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was all the, you know, how many, how many times do you see on Cavs Twitter, bozos on Cavs Twitter, Oh, Kevin Love is killing us on defense. Kevin Love is... Well, he, he has killed the Cavs at times on defense when teams know how to spring yeah, him. But also... Of course, there's everybody has bad matchups. But the yeah. other thing is, is the Cavs were not putting him in good positions either. Like, why was he playing guys that were going out to the corner? Why was... Why were the Cavs... Um, not cross-matching. Yeah. Not cross-matching or playing matchup zone. I don't understand why the Cavs played so little zone this year. Um, that one uh, confused me a great deal. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Donovan Mitchell hates zone, but have we, I mean, they probably ran zone maybe 10, 15% of the time, the previous two seasons. I think they probably play. I would almost guess they played the least amount of zone in the league this year. And yeah. and I I couldn't tell you why that is. It'd be an interesting stat to figure out if if there's stats out there. What well, stat now they out? they're such bad rebounders they can't even play zone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's just so bad. Uh, you know, you, you circling back to Donovan Mitchell. My God, has his shooting collapsed in the playoffs? Well, yeah, and that's what my boss was talking about. Yeah, he's. Well, he's t- not taking good shots. He's not taking shots in the offense. He's just coming and taking that pull-up three, and it's a terrible shot. You know, they need to I mean, be... He's shooting free throws at 66%. Well, that's the other thing. The, the team's confidence is just in the toilet shot. right now. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. exactly. That That's just, that's, you know, something's wrong. So, some, something's deadly wrong if Donovan Mitchell's shooting 66% at the line. Yeah. So, uh, you know, home cooking, please. <laughs> Get us some home cooking. Yeah, we need home cooking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. So pick one thing. What's the one thing you want to see more than anything else in this next game? More threes. More threes. Okay. More threes. I mean, I, we, more we threes know off defense. ball movement. We, yeah. We know that what the defense is. The defense is send everybody to the paint and let them shoot threes. So we yeah. should oblige the Knicks. Shoot threes. Yeah, which means Chetty Osman, Danny Green, hopefully um, Dean Wade. Maybe. Um, yep. Shoot threes. Uh, yep. Hopefully. Let fly. Hey, and if it's Isaac Okoro, let him fly. But Yeah, yeah, screw it. I don't care. Anybody. Please, yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah, open it up. <laughs> Um, and then I would say the other thing is I want the Cavs to, it, it, I didn't really feel like turnovers were a huge issue last game. I mean, obviously they were for Mitchell. Um, but I just want to see them make the easy pass, like make the pass to the guy that's open, swing the ball, make it to the next guy that's open, you know, 
and then Actually, also you are on the money. You want to know what their turnover rate is right now? What is 17. it? 17.8 percent worst in the playoffs. Yeah. And that would rank. Hold on. I'll give you the rank in the regular season. That would be worse than the Houston Rockets by over 1%. Well, they're putting the ball on the floor too much. Um, yeah. Well, and they're, and they're trying to dribble in a crowded paint. Yeah, and also, yeah, they're, they're trying to dribble in the crowded paint. They're not holding the ball, making, you know, intelligent, like, swing-throughs and, you know, reading the defense with the ball away from the defense. They are turning and just throwing a pass before they see it or – seeing the pass and not throwing it like it, well, they're just snake bit as as it as it relates to donovan mitchell i'm gonna go the totally opposite way he needs to be more of a ball hog he needs to start chucking no i don't think that's the issue at all that's what he did last game no no he had 18 he, shots he needs, he needs to he needs to start chucking his his usage rate is lower you than just it wasn't, talked it about wasn't. how much how he's shooting too much no, I or didn't. how no, I just how he's shooting, shooting is falling off a cliff. Yeah. Now yeah, I would say him, he needs to shoot his way out of this slump. Okay, that's what fair. But the Cavs need to set up uh, advantageous situations for him, not just pull ups at the three point line. You know, sure. They, they, he just it, needs to get, to get him the his... ball with going towards the basket. Like I said, set those screens up high. Let him come off the screen hard. And then let him make smart decisions. You know, that's what that's what he needs to do. And have guys in the corner that the defense will actually respect. So we'll see if they do that. Um, I don't know. any Anything else you want to say about this playoff game? Like the, the previous game, I guess we never really recapped it. But, you know, I think it can pretty much be summed up in. Donovan Mitchell stunk. Jared Allen didn't uh, rebound. Evan Mobley still has some growing to do. And and the defensive scheme was dumb. <laughs> you know. And and Chetty's got to shoot better, too. I would say. Yeah, no, Chetty, Chetty's been bad. No, that's... Yeah. Which is why, to me, you consider Dean Wade if I'm JB. Or and To put Andy some size, Green. to get some rebounding, and... If you ain't getting shooting from Chetty, then might as well put in Wade. You know? Yeah. So to me, like that's the option there. Um, no, I mean, like the ba- basic thing, you know, uh, you know, I get he I get Donovan had a bad game, but the stats all say he's not shooting enough. He's passing too much. That's what the stats are saying to me. I, I think they need to get him shots moving off the ball more. And also, like I said, I would like to see that wing pick and roll where he's exploding towards the basket coming off half court. So, or run, run one of those plays where, um, well, his you, pet play is at the elbow. Well, right. That's, but I'm saying they need to set it a little high because the problem with him at the elbow is he's getting surrounded there, you know, true. No, because, that's true. because yeah. they don't respect the corners. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know, he needs to be coming hard off uh, the wing, um, you know, run that play where they where the guard uh, throws the ball to a big at the wing and then he cuts hard off that dribble handoff. You know, that that's the other thing they can do. They're not coming hard enough off screens. Uh, they are reading and reacting too much. Like, would you agree with that? 
Um, no, because <laughs> <laughs> no, because they're what they're doing is running into a brick wall and turning it over. They need to be uh, kicking it out and getting the ball moving. They're still. Oh no, the ball I'm agreeing. I'm I'm agreeing with that that they need to kick it out. But the problem is they are letting the defense set up because they're just sitting there holding the ball and dribbling in one spot. No, it, I don't. I don't know. The defense is already in the paint. Is my point. My they're point is camping. they're just camping in the paint. Well, right. That's my point. So you get the ball going towards. Uh, the basket at the elbow where you can pull up or whether you can kick it to the corner. You know, I would consider pulling a guy out of that strong side corner um, and then, you know, doing that, but get some movement towards the basket or to at least to free yourself up. I feel like they are not making the Knicks defenders move enough from a defensive standpoint. I don't feel like there's a ton of changes they need to make. I do felt feel like they let um, uh, R.J. Barrett get going a little too much last game, let him get to his left hand way too much, going towards the basket. But he also, the Knicks didn't shoot very well. Um, you know, the Knicks were 8 for 29 from 3. So as long as you're not giving those guys layups, I'm happy with it. And as long as it's not Brunson, if I see... Darius Garland on Brunson other regularly again, the Cavs have lost like because Brunson is their offensive engine and you can't give him a natural advantage every possession. So I don't know anything else you want to add on the Cavs Knicks? No, I mean, go, you know, I, I just, you know, we'll find out what's going to happen. It's going to be yeah. interesting because, you know, that, it, what's what'll be interesting to me is, do they come out tight because it's an elimination game or do they finally play with some abandon and just like the pressure's off because the pressure should be off. And that's yeah. what I was going. That's where I was going with, with the people were underrating the Knicks. This was a 50, 50 matchup. This was one of the most intriguing matchups of the round one of the playoffs because of how good the Knicks were. So they either didn't respect their opponent or no, I think there's a lot of that. The, you know, yeah. It, so, you know. And I think like, there's a lot of the Cavs did not realize how difficult the playoffs are. Like how much better sure. they're going to be scouted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because it's, you know, first time you never know. Yeah. You know, because what the playoffs do is they force you to go to plan B. And then C, C and D. Exactly. Your, your first option is never going to work uh, right. in the playoffs. And so uh, that's what they're finding out. So, but what I what I'm just curious about is they got they got the home court. You know, do they finally just let it fly? Like the pressure's off. You know, you're 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 screwed if you lose. So who cares? You know, just let right. it fly. You know, and that's what right. I wonder. Or, or do they come out like acting like they should have won and and just collapse again? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if that I don't want to get into hypotheticals. So we'll save those for another day. Uh, I, I hope we're having another uh, another game after tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll be right back. That was like a welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis, and we have beaten the Cavs to death for the last uh, hour. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, go around the NBA. I'm uh, I'm watching Denver. Looks like they're about to close out Minnesota here. 
Ooh, are they? Yeah, they're up one oh eight. I've got Clips Phoenix and Clips are up. So Oh, okay. Yeah, they're up one oh eight, one oh four. Wow. Um, uh with about thirty seconds left and then um Jokic just made an and one. So how do you going feel about line. Denver? I, how are we feeling about Denver now? I think I gotta see him play somebody better first. Um I didn't I actually think the Wolves have played pretty well. Um, and they're still down 3-1. I think Denver, when they are rolling, they're a machine. A healthy Jamal Murray is a scary thing for other teams out West. Uh, a, mm-hmm. You know, and I think he's... Healthy and MPJ is a scary thing, too. And, yeah, he's really, uh, you know, rolled into form. I think they've clearly been the best team in the West all season. Um, and they just got to beat so... They will likely they'll play the winner of the Clippers and the Suns, which I think most people think is going to be the Suns at this point because they're up three one, right? Yes, they're up three one. Uh, Kawhi's out, PG still out. There's probably little chance they come back. Is is Kawhi coming back or is he done? As mean, do you mean for the season? For the season, for the, yeah. This for his career for the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, I don't think he's coming back for the playoffs. Oh, okay. What's wrong with him? Is it it's the knee? So it's the knee. Uh, the knee they said is swole, uh, swollen, um, and that he sprained it. Uh, also, uh, a crazy story uh, off the court story about his sister. His sister was just uh, convicted of murder, and oh, he just received a life sentence. That happened this past week. Holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. So, yeah. Uh, it's been a, not a good week for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, yeah. Don't know what kind of headspace he's in. Don't know how his body's holding up. There was that quote from Jalen Rose that basically, I guess Jalen Rose is friends with Kawhi because they have a mutual connection with uh, Steve Fisher, the coach. Uh, they were uh, from San Diego State. Yeah, and Michigan. Yep, exactly. Their college coach, uh, both of their college coach, um, and uh, Jalen Rose said that he walks around like a seventy-year-old man. Oh, I believe uh, re- it. Referring to Kawhi, so um, you know that's the thing about Kawhi is that how old is he? He's thirty-something now. No, and he's had a lot of serious injuries in his career. Yeah, he's also he's been a guy. A, he's that nagging one. Yeah. Has always been a guy that hasn't played through him either, you know. Exactly. And and some guys are blessed with health, and some guys are not. Yep. So. Yep. No. So it's interesting, and also Kawhi kind of strikes me as a guy that might have other interests outside of basketball that he wouldn't mind pursuing if he can't play basketball. Oh no! I've always kind of felt like it was for the money. Well, look. Rudy Gobert's throwing a temper tantrum. <laughs> he just fouled out. One oh seven, one oh nine, with thirteen seconds, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, no, I, I think he's always been about the game. I just think you know he has a perspective on. Oh him, yeah, no. I meant, you know. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the other thing, yeah. So it looks like Phoenix going to win that one. I yeah, would I be shocked if Denver. I mean, it would be unprecedented if Denver blew a three-one lead or three-zero lead. So I think it, I think they're going to close this game out right now. Um, 
So who you got? Who are we taking? You taking in Denver the second round? Yeah, Denver or Phoenix. I'm gonna take Denver. I just feel like it's their year. They look really tough to beat. The only issue there, well, and I also feel like uh, Denver's got a couple guys that they can throw at KD. I think uh, Aaron Gordon's kind of found his groove as kind of a defensive four, and I think he will be on KD a lot. Um. The other issue is who checks Booker. Um, although Booker is still totally. not healthy. Yeah. Caldwell Pope. Yeah. And then the other issue is, uh, so who's the, oh, and then of course the, the crazy series out West, which is uh, the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Did you watch that last game? No, I missed it. I, As I one of the best playoff games I've ever watched. Yeah, it was really entertaining. Asleep. Like LeBron. I don't know. The game before that was pretty damn good, too. Which one was that? Uh, oh, shit. It was oh, the oh, Golden Heat. State game. No, or the Heat game. Bucks. Yeah. yeah Jimmy's, I, well, Jimmy's I turned that off. Burger. I turned Jimmy's, that off because oh the, the Bucks looked like they were cruising, and then all of a sudden the Heat came back. So, yeah, uh, right Jimmy after I turned on, it off, Jimmy put on probably the greatest, and the, the, he put on the greatest basketball performance I've seen probably since LeBron two thousand seven. Wow, yeah, no, it, it looked like fifty six. It was a it was a hell of a line. Yeah, um, oh, and man. the it was the Bucks are in trouble. You they think are. the Bucks are in <laughs> trouble, or are they going to come back and get this? I mean, I I think they. They should come back and get this. They've got home court. They've got Giannis. They've got Drew. They've got you know Middleton. They've got you know Lopez. They uh, uh, Heat just have Jimmy. They lost Tyler Hero, who was obviously their their second most important guy on offense. But just Jimmy has either made a deal with the devil or <laughs> something because he's just Jimmy's the best player. The best player in the series is the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and Giannis is still moving pretty gingerly. Well, I mean, Giannis had a triple double in the third quarter, so he looked okay for being injured. It's just uh, no. What I think what's emerging, at least for the Bucks, the 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 Bucks problem now is Middleton looks cooked. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's who they, that's who they were feasting. That's who Jimmy was feasting on last night. Yeah. Was uh, Middleton on defense? Yeah, and I don't think he's been right all year, still coming back from that injury. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, and then you got Nick's Cavs we know all about. Philly beat uh, the Nets, and Boston has failed to close out Atlanta tonight. And one of the dumbest endings I've ever seen <laughs> from both teams. It's like teams trading very stupid things at the end of that game. Yeah, I heard that neither team wanted to win. <laughs> no, like Marcus Smart makes a foul up one 40 feet from the basket on Trey young. Um, and then Atlanta went up one and then Atlanta for some ungodly reason, when Boston's coming out of a timeout, they got uh Trey on the floor for defense. And, <laughs> um, Oh, who's the guy they got from the Spurs? Derek white. Derek white goes right at him, gets a charge, makes pro- both free throws. They go up one. Then Trey comes down gets the ball backs up or gets the ball in the backcourt and then just comes in and launches a 30 footer and drains it. I'm like, why aren't you checking him at the line? 
Like, and I know why you don't because you, you're afraid he's going to flop into some BS, but you've got to, that's a guy you've got to, especially when you're up two, like a three doesn't beat you or a two doesn't beat you. Like you've got to ride him and make him put it on the floor. And at the very least you're going overtime, you know, and, but no, they, they were, up, they were only up one. No, they were, were they? Yeah, they were only up one. Oh, okay. But but still, 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 no, you're right. You can't give a guy Trey can't shoot in the paint. So yeah, it, you can't give a guy like Trey a 28 footer. So yeah, I don't know. You can't give him an open. Yeah, you can't give yeah. him an open three pointer. So I would like to say the my dark horse from after the trade deadline is still in play. I still think the Lakers could run the table. And so, I will, yeah, that's the question here is, okay. Yeah. LeBron assume, clearly still has two more gears. Uh, <laughs> the, let's assume Lakers, Warriors, because that's the way it's trending. Oh, yeah. And who, who do you got? That absolutely sucks because um, they were they were killing in that series, uh, the Kings, and now it's looking like De'Aaron Fox is out. He says uh, he's going to play, but he's not yeah. going to be. I, I'd be yeah. shocked if he's as effective. I still don't think they have that series one, just so you know. But um, I, come on, come on. I would take the Lakers there. I actually think the Lakers, you know who has totally impressed me for the Lakers? I'm like, this kid is really good, is Austin Reeves. Yeah. The, Austin Reeves has been great, and I'm pissed because the Cavs have been riding scrubs for three years, and the Lakers got Austin Reeves off the street. You know, it's like I feel like the Cavs have not turned off. Austin Reeves would never play for JB. Well, that's true too. Yeah, (laughs) he's (laughs) that is true too. So (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, just being real. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I feel you. So I mean, it's nice. No, I love I love Austin Reeves. I think no, he's been great. He's a dog. He's a yeah. really good shooter. He's a really good passer. Um, he's got handles. He moves well without the ball. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's he's been fantastic for them. So, you know who's crapped the bed for them is D'Lo. Oof. Oh, D'Lo is, but yeah, but he made three straight threes the other night Did to he? to basically uh, help him win it. Yeah, he wow. got help get him to overtime. He wow. went in fuego late in the fourth quarter. He made three straight threes. Wow, so. that might be a breakout for him. It was a, it was a breakout. It was huge. Like he his third one was a heat check and it wow. switched it. So I, you know, it's a tough one. I, I you know, I think you might be right. I think is Lakers team of destiny. It feels like it, and it feels like like I feel like that Denver Phoenix series is going to be a war. Uh, Denver just closed that out, by the way. Um, gotcha. And I also think the NBA would kill for a Lakers Golden State series. Like, I don't think there's any way they're letting the Kings win that series. <laughs> <laughs> Shades of 2001. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, you know, here we got the Clippers <sighs> playing with their I, food. Yeah. No, the Clippers aren't playing with their food, it's 86 all. It's Phoenix is playing with its food. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, my bad. Uh, although it's gone up five. Although Russ also looks much better with them than he does, but he's the most trick or treat player I may have ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> Russell Westbrook. Well, I think, you know, he's a player where he's just pure dog. Yeah. Well, and if he doesn't have the That's, ball in his hands, it's yeah. he's a terrible off-the-ball player. Like, he has to have the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very high Phoenix usage. Is, Phoenix is done playing with their food. Rage timeout. Oh, rage timeout. No. Clippers. Well, so, but, yeah, Phoenix, I'm kind of hoping that the Clippers coach gets fired. <laughs> Ty Lu, Ty Lu, shout out to Ty Lu. I, I, I don't know why I'm hoping that, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what else we got out west? Anything else? Oh, no, that's uh, it. I mean, we got we got uh, pers- a perspective. You know, I agree with you. Lakers, Warriors, it seems like a fait accompli. Yeah, um, it's going to be a fun series. That's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be eye candy for the casual viewer. So, yeah, and I don't. I'm I'm very interested to see how Denver progresses because I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, Jokic has been the best player in the league in the regular season the past three years, and they look like a machine against the uh, the Wolves. I didn't, they weren't really tested against the Wolves. I mean, the Wolves had some close games. They won the one, but it, it, it's a gentleman's sweep, yeah. and you know, I think with the extended travel days and all that, I think the home field that you would have gotten before in Denver is a little muted now, but it's still a tough place to play with the altitude. Sure. Um, and I think they have that built in, uh, you know, home field advantage. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the playoff shapes up for them. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd still take I still take the Suns because that was my pick beforehand, but I'm concerned about it. I'll put it that yeah. way. Because I agree with you. I think kind of Denver's flying under the radar a little bit yeah. for a one seed. <laughs> well, and I also think Phoenix is old enough that, like, if yeah. they don't take care of and they business. Lack, yeah, and they lack depth, too. Just like, right. I mean, that's the criticism against Denver is they lack depth. But Well, and we're all waiting for the inevitable Chris Paul injury that happens every year in the right, playoffs. Right. You know, you can set your watch by it. <laughs> Sure, sure. No, so, well, and he also looks washed on top on top of be, being possibly injured. Yeah, yeah, and they always have their kind of low key chemistry issues with Aiton, and um, you know, Chris Paul annoys everybody. So it, yeah. it's just interesting. Yeah, um, but I think uh, that that probably about does it for the actual basketball talk. I don't want to get too far past the playoffs, so. Um, yeah. what did you got anything to pitch? Oh, damn it. Caught me off guard again. I don't, you, you, you don't I never do, do you? That's sad. <laughs> I, I'm such a, I'm, I'm such you a, you just work and sleep and ball all day. Exactly. That's your game. No, no, that's, that's the problem right now is I'm so checked out on culture right now. Uh, no, I'm with you. Like, <laughs> especially like I, I quit Twitter. I just had to do it. Like Ooh, I, I got tough. Well, I got on there and I just, I can't get on there and just see crap from Nazis going unchecked. Like that was my, <laughs> that was my thing on Twitter. It's like, I feel like are, that's just the internet though. Well, it is, but it's Twitter seemed especially bad in the, in the last, you know, I think several, to me that it's been the functionality of Twitter, like shit starting to break well, that, out yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that as well, man. Super sad. So I, 
I haven't uh, made a replacement uh, social media platform, but I do have a band <laughs> I'm going to pitch. Um, a band that you probably haven't heard of, but is old, uh, like me. Um, it's a band called Unicorn. Um, and okay. they were in from what era? England, the seventies, but they went way back. They, I did. They had a kind of a Laurel Canyon sound. They're really kind of a English country rock band, a bit like the Eagles, the Burritos Brothers, America. Um, but uh, David Gilmore produced about half their songs, and he was kind of like credited with helping to discover them. And he had a top 30 hit, I think, with a song called uh, There's No Way Out of Here um, or There's No Way Out. Um, and that was a that was a pretty good song and that he covered of theirs. Um, their Wikipedia page is fascinating. They were the backing band for a while for Sonny and Cher. Um, they were, uh, uh, Kate Bush's first backing band in the seventies. Like they were just a really kind of weird eclectic band that had really good, um, albums and kind of never really took off, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of band. And then disco killed them in the late seventies, but they had about four albums. Um, and then just in the last few years, they've released some unreleased stuff. Um, a lot of the sessions with Gilmore and, you know, unreleased demos, and it's all really good. Um, a lot of, you can hear a lot of influence on bands like the Jayhawks and Wilco and kind of the nineties and aughts all country bands. Um, so just some really good stuff there. Check out a band called unicorn. Um, Disco dancer is a really good song as well as uh, there's no way out of here. Um, yeah. They're just a really cool kind of, lost classics band i guess gotcha <laughs> well you just inspired me i have a throwback uh pitch i saw the movie for, i saw the movie skyfall for the first time <laughs> oh geez <laughs> wow uh, yeah. oh man and it was good speaking uh, of the aughts yeah exactly uh you know skyfall with james bond it was uh, i guess good. it was 2012 but oh okay a decade yeah. ago you know i'm just a decade behind so oh, i watched uh nope last night or two nights ago that's really good nope what's nope it's the uh jordan peele movie um the guy oh, yeah, who did yeah. get out um yeah, yeah. it's really good um steven yoon is in it um from Walking Dead, and I think he won an Oscar the year before. I can't remember, gotcha. but um, he's really good. Uh, he just has a smaller part, but every it, it's just a really fun kind of tight, scary movie. Um, good cast, kind of minimalist production. I enjoyed it a lot. Nice. So nice. So, yeah, yeah. We so we uh, you know. And not as all lost. I did watch a movie for the first time in months. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I pitched Ted Lasso at the beginning. Still fantastic there you go. show. Yeah, we're we're so. not we're not just some cultural. Uh, what, what I forget what the word yeah. is for you know being waste a, wasteland. Yeah, it's not a cultural wasteland here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Shout out to EG. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Keep it real, EG. And uh, with that, we will sign off and go Cavs. Go Cavs. Cavs in seven. Cavs in seven, baby. <laughs> yes, we're back. Or or Knicks in five, but no game six. <laughs> Win for the Knicks.
<laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.